I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Jared Smith, an old friend of mine, and he's coming to us from Lafayette, Colorado. He has written 14 books of poetry. Very prolific guy. And uh, he is a judge just recently of the Founders Award for the National Federation of State Poetry Societies. I slow down to be sure I get that right. And he also is recently the winner of this year's Colorado Authors League Award for Poetry. And so, Jared, it's really great to have you here. It is. Uh, it is really great to see you, Charlie. It's great to be, great to be sitting down in the in the study again with each other. It's been a number of years. Yeah. How long have you been in Colorado? You went from Chicago to Colorado. It's about about a decade. Uh, about, about twelve years. Wow. Goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, my, I got a poem about you moving out there. I remember that. And it doesn't seem that long ago. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, when I was looking for a little background on you, just, just to see what I would come up with, I looked at your website, uh, which is jaredsmith.info, by the way, folks. And I was reminded, I knew this once, that you attended St. John's College with the Great Books Program. Yes, yes, I did. And then I'm looking, you know, I'm remembering that you, you, your work life in the other work, kind of work had to do with science and technology and that kind of stuff. But all the while, your whole adult life writing poetry. Poetry, uh, you work with all of your imagination and the, the more diverse background you can stuff into your life from every other field, the more you've got to work with in your poetry. But my degrees are in poetry and literature, so uh, that's that's what I love. I love the music of the human condition, the, the way people live. Ooh, the music of the human condition. All right. So, what have you been up to lately with poetry? Do you have some any new fixations or concerns or issues? Well, I, I've been uh, working a lot on. Uh, the divergence of humanity and the dignity of humanity uh, as it matches up with uh, the country we live in and how people do their jobs and make the country what it is. And I've been very uh, involved in that uh, through working on this uh, book that won the award. Uh, that's how it is. Uh, I mean, you, you work hard uh, to get what you can out of life. Uh, and then I got caught up in the, uh, in the pandemic, of course. And I've got some, I'm working very hard uh, right now on poems that try to give a voice to the pandemic. And I'll close this session, yeah. if I can, with a, a couple of poems on that, which are, are just getting going. Uh, we're all trying to respond to it, uh, encapsulated in our thinking. But let me start off, if I can, with a uh, poem that's the title poem of this book. Uh, that's how it is. And it's, it's a poem that uh, deals with uh, the kind of country you and I used to hitchhike around together and <laughs> drive around on our road trips, Charlie. That's how it is. 
Sunrise finds the New York shopkeepers rolling up their windows, dusting off the counters, sweeping the floors, shoveling their walkways, pulling pastries from dry hot ovens, filling coffee pots to get the morning going. For the secretaries and executives and lawyers, bankers, insurance salesmen, clerks, <laughs> And the homeless, too, coming in quietly with their handfuls of fear and empty bellies. Because it's another day, and the workers do what workers do every blessed day. Not too aware of what they do or whom they serve, but it's morning, and they rise. And sunrise is indifferent as the clouds and passes on to Pennsylvania and it reflects redness off the empty steel mills and foundries, where again the shopkeepers rise and here the miners line up for unemployment, or the lucky ones still go down into the darkness of the earth with fear in their hearts, and fishermen line up on the banks of the Allegheny with their thermoses, and a gum-chewing girl from a diner clears egg-smeared plates from tables, watching the traffic that never ends go by along the interstate, a seamless zipper. And sunrise hurries on its way across the freighters on Lake Michigan, and the commodity traders working screaming toward heart attacks in Chicago, the endowed institutions of learning that lie in our cities, the students half asleep out over the heartland where the grain still grows so high it never touches the ground and on out over eastern and then western kansas where the aquifers are drying and the promise of america's breadbasket is starting to grow thin it moves on across the mountains of Colorado, hiding itself in valleys and pointing out the oil wells and ore dumps and abandoned ghost towns, the rusting scaffolding of the Rhone Plateau, the toxic sumps of climax, and the shopkeepers rising to open their shops for the clerks and lawyers, ranchers driving their herds to the high country or to the low country, depending on the season. It changes, but sunrise moves across it, and as always, work begins, and sunrise has no mind, no consciousness of the shadows growing, and of how the same work has to start and be filled each day, or of the darkness that follows only hours behind, and the light behind that the tired muscles in a man's arms, the panic, at the morning table when the bills come out, the liquor sparkling in taverns after the day is gone, shimmering in the folds of evening gowns, but it moves on without reference to the thoughts of workers. Sunrise brightens up the sands of Vegas and the roulette tables, the hookers, high rollers, and papers in the gutters along the strip, the hangovers and empty wallets left over from the night before, and the shop owners, the police, the judges putting on their pants, the hotel windows glinting back at desert landscape to the sky. But it moves on and peeks upon the Hollywood sign and the cougar living in those hills and the movie makers making reality and flattens out over the iron endless gray of the Pacific but even as the surf is up off California, it is growing darker to the east 
and the day is as long as the motions we all go through. I recall you have a tendency to go panoramic <laughs> <laughs> in a way that's a, a characteristic poem of, of a, a thing you like to do, I think is fair to say. And uh, that's really great. I, I always like to find bigger things and littler things. Yeah. But, you know, really, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you, you see a, a worker uh, going to work in, in the city, or you see a homeless person, and it just passes you by. It's just a quick shadow. But really, within that person, there's a whole universe. Yeah. And I try to pull some of that out. If you well, it's there, but it if you see it, it's, then you can yeah, then you, you can to, tell us about it in a poem. You have to slow yourself down and let yourself mm -hmm. expand and think what's what's outside of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a uh, somewhat uh, extra world poem here. Mm. Uh, it goes into the supernatural a little bit. It's called the Night Marchers, and that's that's stolen from Hawaii because in Hawaii they had uh, these sort of zombie soldiers that uh, go around through the night and uh, attack people or steal things. Whoa. This is brought to this country, or not this country, brought to the mainland uh, in a sense. It's called the Night Marchers. There are certain streets you don't walk down streets where half the lights are blown out and shadows warm their hands around old oil cans, places where the street is just too narrow, too closely guarded by dry graffitied sliding doors, so seldom seen the signs might mean anything. These are the streets college students ignore going to and from late night classrooms, the streets that even taxi drivers stay away from, and homeless people tell of the darkness that waits and of the muted crying they hear at midnight. They are where bones are discovered at dawn. Not that you have ever been there, you have passed with a nervous glance back into the shadows perhaps have tightened your fist around your keys so that one key protrudes like a switchblade knife between the cold fingers clenched within your pocket and you hurry back toward the artificial lights. Sometimes, lying awake before the night recedes, you can hear the dreadful roar of universes clashing perhaps coming from those corners of the city, and you say as you wait, it is the garbage trucks coming, clanging and banging, barging their way through, sweeping away the mountains of debris we build. And sometimes it is, but that's only what you think. It is the same in each city, as the police records indicate. There are the unsolved mysteries and murders, the lost, mostly sequestered together down these darkened lanes near where the heavy tankers come in by warehouses. And it's true too in the small forgotten Midwest towns where along one dusty lane a farmer's home has gone to dust. His family disappeared within the holes that line the house, the house 
that even small children stay away from now. The cage now keeping something in and something out, where people sleep and beings from another dimension enter, perhaps as dreams and perhaps as something else entirely. Oh, that's lovely and ominous. We could almost have a TV series off of that poem. <laughs> you yeah. see it on Netflix. It's a different alley every every week. <laughs> that's right. But we 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 try to stand up against all this. This is rising each day. And again, we're going back to the working side of things here. After you've been at it for a while, your hands stop bleeding, calluses harden and shoulders become pistons powering through the pain to become your image of the iconic steel driver rolling perpetual motion beneath mountains rolling in the summer sunset clouds burned with the soul of christ's blood and tears and what you hear in the bark of words and the grunts of flesh alongside your own is your muscle matched against the stones you break down for houses, metals, jewels that are sold alongside the palace of the governors after you've been at it for a while, after the song is in your blood, your love in your arms, and your flesh picks up the scent of dreams stored in the acrid gears of accountability, and a clean bit air fills your lungs each morning into infinity after a while. Mikasa, not much more than a stucco barn or a packing case for heavy iron machinery, but calm within itself and me within itself, turning over peaceful one last time in my bed and hearing a train whistle set to wake the dead, scattering the coyotes among the sagebrush, echoing the testes of neighborhood roosters, fanning their feathers in a royal dust. These were the dreams with hard, bright eyes and long necks hung out for the chopping block. But oh, that mountain air was so sweet and enough to make pinion coffee break the sleep. And I would pack my lunch pail each day with all that I could fit into its dark light sides and step out into a burning sun that blinded me with a repetition and singing not so bad each day where the starting whistle echoed the trains that filled each night that carried the stone I broke with my shoulders, the wheels of industry and love rolling across this endless horizon that connects us all. Something occurred to me while you were reading is uh, while you're there in Colorado, uh, at least where you live is not an urban environment. You're not far from Denver, but do you have any concerns or does it cross your mind about, about the absence of those urban things? I guess I'm going back to the spooky alleys. Speaking for myself, being here in Vermont, I know I don't hear the kind of poems locally that I would hear in, back in Chicago. And while I like to write my mellow Chinese style poems, those other kind of poems and those other kind of issues, uh, I don't want to lose that. And it, that's right, and yeah. that's, that's, that's hard. You want to hold on to that. I grew up in New York, lived a long while in Greenwich Village, and then in Chicago. 
uh, I came out to Colorado to find some quietness to work with, but you lose the uh, diversity and urgency and noise of people swarming around to get things done in the city. Uh, and how remarkable it is to see that happen and to be able to walk in and out of each other's apartments and each other's rooms and uh, sit down at the, uh, sit down in the bars and restaurants. You get a bit of that in the, in the country, uh, mm -hmm. but there are different things. You have space in the country. You have, uh, you're closer to the cosmos, but you're closer to uh, mankind in the city. So you try to switch back and forth all the time. Yeah. I find that the best art comes out of switching back and forth. I have a place in the mountains, as you know, you visited it, a, a log cabin in the mountains. And it's, it's a half hour from downtown Denver. So I can go from mountain lions, mm -hmm. bears, to uh, symphony orchestras in, in half an hour. Uh, and it's, it's that contrast of looking at things first one way and the other than the other that the art comes out. I, yeah. love, I love contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever will like jostle those brain cells in the right direction. That's right. Or those emotions. Yeah. Let me read you one <laughs> short poem here and then I'll do some of the pandemic poems. Great. Most things, most things done by man can be undone by time and no one knows. The heavy grunt of machinery moving these hills, the car's sweet, urgent phone calls, weapons tests, the dry lines worn into hopeless, homeless faces, the jackpot at the end of the rainbow, not here, but before these mountains, beneath these glaciers, where the trill of alpine rills rings rock to rock, and a setting sun this evening lights the world with the last thoughts of coins and evening gowns. Some things matter more than others, and we keep on in our little ways. And maybe 30 years from now, or at million, the spores from this fern nestled against my hiking boots may grow green in a place not dreamed of by me not dreamed of now, but where they will, and no one knows. Hmm. It's yeah. kind of contrasting the cosmological nature with the urgency of the city and building of armies and weapons and quick phone calls. It's, it's all part of the beauty of the human experience and the horror of it at the same time. Yeah. Let me give you a, a couple of poems here. You know, I've been, I just finished this book uh, when the pandemic came in and it, I began to focus more on the, um, the love for everything which is within people. Uh, and despite all the horrible things that are happening to people and that people are doing right now, um, there is a song in all poetry. There is a song in my poetry. Every line, every stanza, every poem. Each poem an open aria into another. 
and they change one to the next, and one year to the next they change. One book becomes another, and each book becomes another psalm, the song of workers and looms and chains of sweat and heartbreak. But there is always the song. There is always the love, the sweet whisper of sun on mountain meadows, the deer pausing to drink at the stream, and the stream with its magenta flowers finding its way among dark stones that hold the night tight in their sides. And it is always so in each poem we write. There is a song that sings of us and of our homes and lives. There is a song that keeps us going, a song that has filled our literature and we have raised our institutions with and that we sing to our children each night. It changes through the years, but it's there. I have not found how to write this song for the cold waves that rise around our ankles, for the kinds of sands that wrap about our feet now at this time and in this dark place, but I will do so. Already I can hear the other, I can hear the murmurs of others learning how. Mm. And, uh, you know, we have now uh, violence erupting all over the country and it's uh, it, it's come out of a lot of it out of defending people of different races, mm -hmm. uh, which is good. Black Lives Matter. And we're, I think maybe we'll have a social change happen here finally after all these years. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, but there are also the, the, the violence uh, which is coming out of the peaceful protest. You have people at the edges of the peaceful protest who are violent and you know carry guns and shoot at each other and uh it's it's partly we're under so much stress from what's going on in society that we're we're erupting uh people have to respond and sometimes it's violent and, and, and they're they haven't been able to hug each other or kiss each other or go out for drinks together and it just just builds up in them at this time, and in our country, the fires are lit in small shacks down by the river and in the back country where beggars warm their hands and in rusted oil drums and train yards behind the tall grasses, the hot rails that run out across our country, the fires are lit where men meet outside empty factory floors where the wheels have fallen off, the fires rage against the night, and they are lit in empty beer cans, on sofas, in front of televisions, where the flames burn down houses along our nation's streets. The fires are lit in country pubs and at nameless roadside stops and diners on the edge of cities. They roar through urban bars and clubs, consuming the beautiful men and women who wish to live and love among the embers that will light still larger conflagrations. The fires are lit and cannot be contained. You know, one of your some blurb that someone wrote this on your website. Someone mentioned that you're you're a bit Whitman-esque, and you actually are. 
because oh. of the, the expansiveness and uh, and the appreciation of the contrasts of you know like you said the positives and the negatives but it's all it's all part of what we got this is it this is life this and is the life. poet reports it yeah it's well responds said. to it yeah well said great yeah. well yeah. this has been great i'm glad you could do this i'm glad we could connect from up there in colorado i know where you are it's been i've been there it's beautiful yeah, it was wonderful to have you out here to visit it couple years uh, ago now, I guess. yeah it was great we're gonna okay. go again things open up <laughs> yeah that'd be nice yeah, yeah i'm dying to get on the road for yeah not now yeah okay folks you are listening to poetry spoken here i am your host charlie rossiter be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you you've been listening to poetry spoken here I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>